liftoff and the clock has started. This is 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. Thank you very much, Dorothy. Yes, this is 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. My name is Doug Prezak, and thank you, as always, for tuning in. (laughs) I just love it that you decided to spend 20 minutes listening to my nonsense. I always appreciate it. And by the way, if you haven't uh, followed me on that Instagram thing, you should probably do so. Because if you do, then you get to find out when the next episode's posted. And some mysterious pictures to try and, you know, give you hints as to what the episode is. Plus, I'm asking right now, if you haven't signed up, sign up. Because if you do, then my number of followers will probably go from 17 to 18. So thank you very much for for signing up, please. Enough of that. Let's get on with the show. This is episode 42. Can you believe that? I've done this 41 times already. (laughs) And more importantly, you all have listened to this for 41 times. Uh, That's the amazing part to me. A show of hands. How many of you have heard all 41 episodes? Because I don't don't even think I have. But no matter how many episodes you've listened to, uh, thank you very much. And you know what? If you tell a friend, and then they might tell two friends, then I could jump all the way up to like maybe 30 listeners. So I'm um, keeping my fingers crossed. All right, let's get going with episode uh, 42. Today's show started off as an irritant. Now you're probably saying, oh no, Doug, are you okay? What's bothering you? Well, here it is. <laughs> I was having a little bowl of popcorn the other night and uh, one of those little brown things, you know, I uh, got stuck to the roof of my mouth and I tried for an hour to try and get it off using my tongue, my finger, chopsticks, steak knives. I couldn't get the thing off the roof of my mouth. And through my pain and suffering, I decided I should probably talk about popcorn. <laughs> you know, why not? Come on, why not? So today you're going to learn about popcorn. Now here's something you may not know. Popcorn is actually one of six major types of corn. And that list includes dent corn, <laughs> okay, flint corn, pod corn, flour corn and sweet corn and of course popcorn now although the kernels from some of the other types of corn will actually pop the cultivated strain for popcorn is called zea maize everta for all you scientific people out there it's a special kind of flint corn all right the uh, scientific people are covered now how about you historians out there well let's start here corn was domesticated about ten thousand years ago in what is now mexico Now, remnants of popcorn have been found in Mexico that date back to 3600 B.C. There's actually um, evidence, fossil evidence from Peru that suggests corn was popped uh, as early as 4700 B.C. Now, the oldest known uh, popcorn to date was found in New Mexico in a cave Uh, in 1948. Herbert Dick and Earl Smith, you know those guys, they discovered small heads of corn and individually popped kernels. Um, The kernels have since been carbon dated to be approximately 5,600 years old. In addition to uh, those kernels found in New Mexico, a kernel approximately 1,000 years old was found in a uh, cave in Utah that was thought to be inhabited by Pueblo tribe members. Evidence shows Aztec indigenous peoples used popcorn not only for eating, but also for decorating clothing and other ceremonial embellishments. Native American indigenous people used to believe that spirits, p- 
peacefully lived inside each popcorn kernel. When the kernels were heated, the spirits would get so angry that their houses would start to shake. And when it got too hot, the spirits broke out of their houses in a very angry burst of steam. <laughs> okay. If you want to have a story to go with your popcorn, that's a good one. As colonists began moving to North America, they adopted the popular Native American foods. Not only was popcorn eaten as a snack, but it was also reported to have been eaten with milk and sugar like a breakfast cereal. Didn't we call those sugar pops? Anyway, popcorn was also cooked by colonists with small amounts of molasses, creating a snack similar to today's kettle corn. Oh, great. Now I want a bowl of sugar pops. Through the 19th century, popping of uh, kernels, that was achieved by hand on stovetops. You know, the term popcorn first appeared in John Russell Bartlett's 1848 Dictionary of Americanisms. The popcorn accessibility increased rapidly in the 1890s with uh, a guy named Charles Creeters. He invented the popcorn maker. Now, Creeters was a, a candy store owner who purchased a commercially made peanut roaster so he could offer freshly roasted nuts in his shop. It turns out he was unhappy with the quality of the machine and he began you know, tinkering with it. A few years later, Creeters had designed an entirely new machines powered by steam for both roasting nuts and popcorn popping. The steam ensured that all the kernels could be heated evenly for the maximum number of popped kernels. By 1900, Creeters introduced a horse-drawn popcorn wagon equipped with a steam-powered popcorn makers. So is anybody getting hungry for a bag of popcorn? Because Lord knows I am. During the Great Depression, popcorn was pretty cheap, usually costing 5 to 10 cents a bag. Now, while other businesses failed during the Depression, popcorn business thrived and became a source of income for many struggling farmers, including, you ready, the Redenbacher family. Yeah, you know Orville. That's right. That guy started growing corn when he was 12 years old. You go, Orville. Okay, during World War II, the sugar rations diminished candy production, and Americans compensated by eating three times as much popcorn as they had before. The snack was popular in theaters, much to the displeasure of many theater owners who thought it distracted from the films. And let me say this, I'm with you, theater owners, because nothing is more distracting to me than sitting in the theater and hearing somebody munch on popcorn behind me. <sighs> I'm sorry. Um, their minds eventually changed, however, and in 1938, a Midwestern theater owner named Glenn W. Dixon Sr., he installed popcorn machines in the lobbies of his Dixon theaters. And you probably figured out what happened next. Yes, popcorn was making more profit than the theater tickets. Dickinson purchased popcorn farms and was able to keep his prices down. The venture was a financial success, and the trend to serve popcorn soon spread everywhere. And by everywhere, I mean theaters. With the invention of television, attendance at movie theaters dropped off, and then so did the consumption of popcorn. Oh. This slump was quickly reversed with the introduction of the commercially available microwave popcorn in 1981 which caused home consumption to skyrocket. Now, at least six localities, all in the Midwestern United States, claim to be the popcorn capital of the world. There is Ridgeway, Illinois, Valparaiso, Indiana, Van Buren, Indiana, Schaller, Iowa, Marion, Ohio, and North Loop, Nebraska. 
you guys need to settle this once and for all. Get together, sort out who really is the uh, the popcorn capital of the world. According to the USDA, corn used for popcorn production is specifically planted for this purpose. Most of it is grown in Nebraska and Indiana and a little bit in Texas. You're probably saying to yourself now, hey, Doug, all that history mumbo jumbo, that was interesting, but let's get to the hardcore facts here. How does popcorn pop? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Well, each kernel of popcorn contains a certain amount of moisture and oil. Now, unlike other grains, the outer hull of the popcorn kernel is both strong and impervious to moisture, and the starch inside consists mostly of a hard type of starch. As the oil and the water in the kernel are heated, they turn the moisture in the kernel into a pressurized steam. Under these conditions, the starch inside the kernel gelatinizes. I didn't think I'd ever say the word gelatinizes. Anyway, under these conditions, the starch inside the kernel gelatinizes, softens, and becomes pliable. The internal pressure of the trap steam continues to increase until we have poppage. The hull ruptures rapidly and explodes, causing a sudden drop in pressure inside the kernel and a corresponding rapid expansion of the steam. That expands the starch and proteins into an airy foam 20 to 50 times its original size. As the foam rapidly cools, the starch and protein polymers set into the familiar crispy puff. I think this is a good time for a break. I'm going to toss a bag of popcorn in the old microwave and get it going. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, Charles Creeters and his popcorn machine. And we're going to learn some terminology because if you're going to talk about popcorn, you need to be talking correctly. So I'm going to help you out there. And lastly, we're going to find out about that little clown. So why don't you all head out to the lobby and I'll be right back after this. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy, the chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Okay, you all remember Charles Creeters. Remember, he's the uh, inventing popcorn machine inventing guy. Well, he successfully introduced his invention at the Columbian Exposition in 1893. Now, at the same time, at the same fair, F.W. Ruckenheim, he introduced a molasses-flavored candied popcorn, which turned out to be the first caramel corn or caramel corn. Caramel? Caramel? Whatever. Not to be outdone, his brother Louis Ruckenheim he slightly altered the recipe and introduced it as Cracker Jack in 1896. Now, back to Creators. His invention introduced the first patented steam-driven powered popcorn machine that popped corn in oil. Previously, vendors uh, popped corn by holding a wire basket over an open flame. Uh, the result was a dry, hot, unevenly cooked snack. Creators machine popped the corn in a mixture of butter, lard and salt mm. a fire under a boiler 
heated up to 450 degrees, and that created steam that drove the small engine, and that engine turned all the gears and shafts and the agitator that kept the popcorn stirring so it popped up right. Here's the best part. That steam also powered a small, automated, clown-like puppet figure. Everybody's seen that guy grinding away inside the popcorn machine, right? Well, he has a name. His name is the Toasty Roasty Man. (laughs) Toasty was an attention-getting amusement intended to attract business. Uh, Excess steam was also used to operate a small, shrill whistle to attract attention. Nothing attracts attention like a shrill whistle. Popping results are sensitive to the rate at which the kernels are heated. If they're heated too quickly, the steam in the outer layers of the kernel can reach high pressures and prematurely rupture. And nobody likes a premature rupture. Oh, my God. Anyway, that uh, leads to uh, partially pop kernels, which have hard centers. Heating too slowly leads to entirely unpopped kernels. That's because the tip of the kernel is not entirely moisture-proof, and when heated slowly, the steam can leak out, keeping the pressure from rising sufficiently to break the hull and causing the pop. Producers and sellers of popcorn consider two, count them, one, two, major factors in evaluating the quality of popcorn. One, what percentage of the kernels will pop, and two, how much each popped kernel expands. Expansion is a very important factor to both the consumer and the vendor. You see, vendors, such as theater owners, buy popcorn by weight, and they sell it by volume. For those reasons, the higher expansion popcorn fetches a higher profit. (laughs) More space in the box, less popcorn is required. Now, if you want to sound highly intelligent while you're discussing popcorn with your friends, you need to know the correct terminology. When popcorn has finished popping, sometimes unpopped kernels remain. They are known in the popcorn industry as old maids or spinsters. In the popcorn industry, a popped kernel of corn is known as a flake. Now, there's two shapes of flakes that are commercially important. The snowflake or the butterfly flake are irregular in shape, and they have a number of protruding wings. This is the kind of popcorn you make in your tub of Jiffy Pop or you buy in the movie theater. The mushroom flake are large, ball-shaped with very few wings. Butterfly flakes are regarded as having a better mouthfeel with a greater tenderness and less noticeable hulls, while the mushroom flakes are less fragile than the butterfly flakes and are therefore often used for packaged popcorn or confectionery such as caramel corn. And lastly, when referring to multiple pieces of popcorn collectively, it's acceptable to use the term popcorn. However, when referring to a singular piece of popcorn, the accepted term is kernel, not piece of popcorn. Oh, here's a fun fact for you. (laughs) Movie theaters commonly use coconut oil to pop the popcorn and then top it with butter or margarine, potentially providing the saturated fat equivalent of, quote, more than a breakfast of bacon and eggs, a Big Mac and fries and a steak dinner combined. (laughs) God. Movie theaters have come under fire due to their high markup on popcorn. Uh, It's said that for every dollar spent on popcorn, 90 uh, cents of that is profit. Okay, I think we should close out episode 42 with some fun facts. Because I know you, I know my listeners, and you guys want some facts. At least I think you do. According to the Popcorn Board, 
Americans eat approximately 13 billion, with a B, quarts of popped corn every year, or 42 quarts per person. That's almost like a, a quart per person per per week. Now, I know I don't eat a quart of popcorn per week, so somebody out there is eating two quarts. Okay, for you folks out there in Illinois, tell me if this is true or not. Popcorn is the official snack of Illinois. Since 1958, there has been an annual popcorn day there. I'm not certain what one would do at a uh, popcorn day, but um, I assume it involves popcorn. The outer hull of a popcorn kernel, uh, you know, the thing that started this whole podcast, that is called the pericarp. (laughs) For whatever reason, its official name is the pericarp. Popped corn contains large amounts of protein, vitamins, and minerals. Among other health benefits, popcorn helps build bones and muscle tissues and assists in digestion. It's also rich in antioxidants. Unfortunately, most of the nutrients are found in the hull, or the pericarp as you now know it, rather than the fluffy white part. So save all those pericarps on the bottom of your bag of popcorn and uh, scoop them all up and chow down on those. That way you'll get a lot of vitamins and nutrients you need. Now, we've already talked about uh, how much of a profit center popcorn is for movie theaters, but here's another uh, profit-making part of popcorn. It's salty. You get salty, you need something to drink. So you go out in the lobby and you buy a soda or water. Those guys aren't stupid. The world's largest popcorn ball was 12 feet in diameter and weighed 5,000 pounds. I'm not certain what one does with a 5,000-pound popcorn ball, but... uh, There you go. Two tablespoons of unpopped kernels produces a quart of popcorn for only about 25 cents. And there are 1,600 popcorn kernels in one cup. About 70% of all popcorn sold in America is eaten in the home. The other 30% is eaten in a theater in the seat right behind me. Popcorn kernels can pop up to three feet in the air. Maize, or corn, is the second largest crop in the world and the largest in the United States. With all this blabbering I've been doing about popcorn, you'd think that uh, popcorn would be a huge percentage of that. Nope. Popcorn is approximately two one-thousandths of a percent of the total crop. Now, here's an important tip for you. Unpopped popcorn should not be stored in the refrigerator. The refrigerator will dry out the moisture in the kernels, and we know what happens when there's no moisture. Without the moisture, popcorn will not pop. The ideal place to store popcorn is in a cool, dry cupboard. While it's a popular story, there's actually no evidence that Native Americans brought the pilgrims popcorn at Thanksgiving dinner. Now, while Native Americans in South America, Central America, and the southwestern part of the USA popcorn, there is no evidence that Native Americans in Massachusetts or Virginia had popcorn. And let's see, the Aztecs, they used popcorn during ceremonies. Several young women would dance a popcorn dance with popcorn garlands on their heads. You can probably find that same thing today in uh, spring break in Fort Lauderdale. All right, I'm going to leave you with this. It's uh, Some people say popcorn's hard to chew. Yeah, there's a kernel of truth in that. <laughs> Sorry. That was left over from episode 41. All right, uh, that's going to wrap it up. What did we learn here today? Well, we learned that popcorn has been around for like a jillion years. We learned that uh, caramel corn uses mushroom flakes. 
And lastly, we learned that the uh, little clown puppet working tirelessly inside that popcorn machine, he has a name. You may call him the Toasty Roasty Man. Oh, and by the way, in case you were wondering, yeah, I did all the research, so you didn't have to. As always, thank you very much for listening, and I will talk to you next time on 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. Bye-bye. Hi, it's me again, Doug. I want to take up a couple more seconds of your time just to remind you, if you want to stay informed of when uh, the next podcast is posted, all you need to do is sign up at uh, on that Instagram machine. It's at 20MYNGB. 20MYNGB. And that means 20 minutes you'll never get back. Uh, if you sign up there, you'll uh, always see when the next podcast is uploaded. And if you want to leave some comments, by all means, please do go to the uh, website at 20minutespodcast.com. So it's 20minutespodcast.com. And uh, you can uh, leave your comments there. It also tells you how you can be an announcer for the show. So take take a look at those two things if you'd like and stay informed. And I'll, as always, thank you very much for listening to uh, 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. Bye-bye.